So this year, I had the very clear instruction to walk in truth. And it made me panic a little bit because I wondered what I had been doing with my life this whole time. The first thing I did was, you know, begin to research what it means to walk in truth. And I came across Psalm 86 verse 11, which says, Teach me your way, Lord, so that I can walk in your truth. Make my heart focused only on honoring your name. That caused me to sit down and intently take a review of my life. What areas was I falling short? Was I lagging behind as a Christian mother, as a Christian friend, and just generally as a follower of Christ? I realized for the most part that I had failed to fully express all that I felt in my heart, in my personal and work relationships, in one-time encounters with strangers, I generally just held back on a lot of things for fear of being misquoted or even misunderstood. And I realized that this silence, you know, this, this holding back stemmed from past experiences. I was still at the point where I felt that silence was safer and I didn't realize I hadn't fully healed. So, once again, I found myself in a situation where I was asking numerous questions, seeking even more answers. And this was a little bit destabilizing because I thought, but I've started the healing series. I'm supposed to have clarity now. Everything is supposed to be, you know, uh, crystal clear. And I've said so much in the last few episodes. However, it's quite clear that this wasn't the case. And so I carried on digging deeper into God's word and I came across a passage where the Lord spoke on serving him in spirit and in truth. And at that point, I started to get a bit of clarity. This was in John chapter 4, verse 23 to 24. But the time is coming and is here when true worshippers will worship in spirit and truth. The Father looks for those who worship him this way. God is spirit and it is necessary to worship God in spirit and in truth. And what I realized in reading that passage was that it's borderline impossible to serve God in spirit and in truth and to be liked and embraced by the world. And again, this stems from his very raw example of him not being accepted and liked by the world. Um, and we see this in John 15, verse 18 to 20. Remember what I told you. Servants aren't greater than their master. If the world harassed me, it will harass you too. If it kept my word, it would also keep yours. The world will do all these things to you on account of my name, because it doesn't know the one who sent me. So essentially, if Christ wasn't accepted and liked by the world, and I say that I'm a follower of Christ and I'm walking in spirit and in truth, I cannot expect the world at large to embrace me and to love me. And this allowed me to walk back as I was taking stock of my, of my previous year and realize, oh, this is why, you know, 
one is castigated for speaking the truth. This is why one is held, um, or should I say slandered, for attempting to be their brother's keeper. Because for some strange reason, the world doesn't want the truth. It doesn't like the truth. It would prefer a sugar-coated version to allow one continue wallowing in their particular habits and patterns. And I found myself falling victim to this as well, because again, I was holding back on what I knew to be the truth, simply because I felt it was safer to tread carefully. Now back to Jesus, imagine being rejected over, you know, a known criminal. Barabbas was a known criminal. Yet the crowds cheered and chose him over Christ. If that was me personally, I would have a major identity crisis. My self-worth would be down in the dumps and I'd be questioning every single word God had spoken, every miracle, every teaching, every healing that I'd carried out leading up to that point, wondering where exactly I went wrong. The world rejected Jesus Christ, the savior, the Messiah, God's own son. So really, who am I or who are you that you cannot experience rejection? As I said earlier, it was in this moment I realized that the world isn't designed for truth. It functions on deception, half-truths and well-orchestrated lies. As the days grow more evil, speaking the truth in friendships, relationships, at work, in the community at large can get you crucified, or what's the word now, cancelled. Solace is found in the understanding that as a Christian serving in spirit and in truth, it is difficult for the world to like you. Once you've made peace with this, it's easier for you to actually start walking in spirit and in truth. The Bible tells us that we will be held accountable for every word we utter, our words hold our acquittal or our condemnation. And this can be found in Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 to 37. I tell you that people will have to answer on judgment day for every useless word they speak. By your words, you will be either judged innocent or condemned as guilty. This understanding has always guided my interactions. It's almost as though I've simplified it into, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. If it doesn't concern me and I haven't been actively brought into a matter, please be assured that I will not be speaking on it. So to those who struggle with, with talking just for the sake of talking and having full-blown opinions on matters that you aren't fully informed on, it's important to seek guidance and grace and forgiveness and mercy from the Lord. Especially knowing that something as simple as your words could be your condemnation or your acquittal. Now, in the rare instance that a Christian serving in spirit and truth, the world actually embraces you, then perhaps God has allowed for you to be planted in their midst to bring about his message of truth and salvation. And if this truly is the case, you would have a very clear instruction from him. And even if that's the case, you would still be actively walking in spirit and in truth. No compromise. 
Now the expectation that because you are living on the right path, you will not experience pain, betrayal, false accusations and hurt needs to be dropped. That was me. I was a very, very naive Christian. I speak to so many women and the resounding theme is, but I did everything right. Why is everything going so wrong? How is it that I'm sitting back and watching my abusers live their best lives? How do I sit back and watch my aggressors flourishing while my life seems to be falling apart at the seams? Who actually holds them accountable? Sometimes it feels like such a great injustice, but as the crucifixion of Christ showed us, with God, victory always awaits. The devil thought he had succeeded by killing Jesus, but had he known that reconciliation to God and the reversal of the separation he had caused by giving Eve the forbidden fruit was on the other side of this very well orchestrated crucifixion, he would not have been so quick to celebrate. You could be a friend, a sibling, a colleague, a parent who has been let down, humiliated, or even vilified for speaking the truth, for standing in God's truth. The pain is unimaginable. The sting of betrayal is enough to uproot you from your decision to even serve God. Because what the devil will do is cause you to think that there is no reward for walking in truth. The countless examples of people blaspheming and breaking his commandments, yet thriving, is enough to support this sentiment. If you followed this podcast, you're very familiar with my recurring theme of betrayal by family and even friends whom I thought were family. It felt like my very own Joseph moment, and in that time I questioned everything I knew to be true. But as time went by, I began to understand that God was simply removing me from tables where I was being served poison. Because no love exists where conspiring to one's detriment and lies are prioritized over truth. Those relationships didn't edify me in any way. And my losing of them brought me to where God wanted me to be. It was his holy rescue. It was the victory that awaited me on the other side of the pain and heartbreak. Walking in truth simply means honoring God. It simply means obeying his commandments. He's made it very simple and very clear. And all we have to do is ask for grace to be able to walk in this truth. We are not perfect, but we see that Christ is perfect and being connected to him releases the grace for perfection upon our lives. And so on this note, I would like to just reach out to whoever is feeling this burden in their heart, where they desperately want to walk in truth, but don't know how to begin. A great place to start is, like I said earlier, the Ten Commandments, because that is your rule book for navigating life. Prayer is so key, and being armed with God's word will help you navigate the murky waters. I don't think I've ever said, oh, you can reach out to me on whatever in any of these podcast episodes, but I now feel led to open up myself to that. So if you need, you know, some form of guidance or direction on how to go about walking in truth, you can reach me via Instagram, via my email, and I'll be happy to hold your hand through this. So until then, I'll see you on the next episode.